0: You're listening to the LaunchCast, the podcast about leadership, business, life, and growth with me, your host, George Andriopoulos.
1: It's like food for your ears.
0: George? Yes, Dave? Where do podcasts come from? Well, when two dudes with microphones in their home offices like each other very much, they get together and they make a podcast. And then they just see what happens? Yes, then they do whatever they want and a dad podcast is born. That's right. We have a brand new podcast coming out and it is premiering on April 7th with our trailer and first four episodes. Dave, do you know what that podcast is called? It's called the Over My Dad
1: Podcast and it is a podcast, but it's not just for dads. I want to make that very clear. We got a lot of stuff. We got periodic guests. We got just conversation, wacky business ideas opinions nothing too wild it's like a
0: light joe rogan or like a really edgy allen show that was actually the original name for the show the edgy allen show and it is co-hosted by you dave thompson that's right and you george Andriopoulos. i can pronounce your name which i'm i'm that we're we're halfway there we're halfway there guys check us out <laughs> Every other Wednesday, we drop a new episode, but our first four episodes, April 7th. Don't forget, every other Wednesday, and check us out on social media, Facebook, and Instagram, at OverMyDadPodcast, and are we on Twitter? We are at C S T. Join us for our movement towards nothing in particular. See you there. Launch sequence.
1: Launch sequence activated. Launch
0: sequence activated.
1: Five, four, three, two, one. Woo!
0: Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the LaunchCast. episode 213 still got goosebumps every single time guys we got a good one today i'm so excited to have our guest on today uh i was actually on his podcast a few weeks ago we'll get into that in a little bit hope you guys are having a good spring it is a beautiful one out there today but first it's the launch dad himself bringing you your favorite podcast on the planet leadership business life growth Right now, as the beat drops. What is happening, everybody? It's me, George Andriopoulos, back for another episode of the LaunchCast. Exciting week this week. We got a bunch of interviews this week. Uh, We're going to have interviews and interviews and interviews for the next few weeks, which is super, super exciting. So we're taking a pause on the, the Clubhouse segment that we've been doing, which has also been Pretty cool. Uh, You guys gave us really, really good feedback on that Clubhouse segment. But we got to keep it rolling with these interviews because we're bringing some badass leaders on here uh, to talk shop. And, uh, yeah, we got some good stuff today. Real quick, just want to go over. uh, You're hearing this on Monday, April 12th. That's when you're going to hear this. We will have launched the other podcast already. So I talked about this last week a little bit, the Over My Dad podcast 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 with me and Dave Thompson, the do-gooder dads. Uh, Great, great show. Guys, check it out if you haven't yet. Links are going to be in the show notes because they are, of course, one of our sponsors today. Uh, Links in the show notes. We dropped our first four episodes on April 7th, and then we are dropping one every other Wednesday going forward great feedback so far on the stuff that we've put out uh right now when i'm recording this we're, we're releasing it in two days uh but by the time you hear this it will it will have been out already so check it out give us your feedback on it make sure to subscribe share review you know the whole deal uh but right now i'm gonna bring my guest out let's see if this see if my tech works today Let me unmute this guy that handsome guy there he is mike
1: what's up what's up what's how you doing up? george
0: Thank you, buddy. Thank you for being here. Doing good, man. Hope you're doing well as well. Uh, Guys, Mike C-Rock Sirocco. Mike is the CEO of People Building Inc. and the powerhouse behind the What Are You Made Of movement. He is a performance coach, author, dynamic public speaker, visionary, and thought leader. And leadership is all we do here. He has been featured by Yahoo Finance as one of the top business leaders to follow in 2020. He's on a mission to build People. We're going to get into that deeply today. Uh, he's driven to inspire others and he measures his success on how he is able to help others achieve greatness. Sea rock has had a fire lit under him since an early age and that fire has ignited him with a fierce desire to compel people to see the greatness inside themselves, using past life events to fuel their fire. Uh, Mike, before we dive in, man, I I really appreciate you being here. I had such a great time on your show, um, and I knew that energy was there, so I knew we'd have a great conversation today, man, so th- thank you again for being here.
1: Yeah, man, I always like to start every interview I go on with gratitude, man, because it's just, you know, the fact of the matter is is that, you know, 20 years ago, we wouldn't have had access to this kind of platform, and for the opportunity, and also, you know, t- the fact that people want to hear my voice in general is is truly humbling. So, thank you, thank your audience for listening, and uh, I'm ready to rock, man. Let's roll. Let's do it. Appreciate
0: you, buddy. All right, same way you started, man. I started a certain way every time. So, C Rock, are you
1: a leader? Absolutely. We all are leaders. It's just where are you leading people? You know, I mean, that's the way I look at it. And what standard are you keeping for yourself to be a role model to people? Um, how are you influencing people? Because leadership is actually influence. And absolutely, every single person should answer yes to that question.
0: Yeah, so talk to me a little bit about that more. I've heard you say that before, that leadership is is influence. I believe that's from uh, John Maxwell, right, uh, that you spoke yeah. about that before. Talk to me a little bit more. Give me your definition of leadership and, and how it's helped to shape your life.
1: So the question that, you know, people should have a yes or no answer to would be, you know, are you a good leader, right? Um, because everybody leads, everybody is, you know, watched by other people. If you're around other individuals, people are watching you. They're seeing how you take action or proactively or reactively. They're watching the steps that you take. They're watching the standards you hold yourself to. And subconsciously people are justifying what they're doing in their lives, whether they're exceeding or or not exceeding uh, what they should be doing and justifying that their position by watching you. So it, to me, I always understand that, you know, and I I'm, I'm seen by a lot of people, and I make sure I'm seen by a lot of people because I'm holding myself to a certain standard. You'll notice that when people aren't holding themselves to a higher standard, they'll hide. They'll, 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 they won't they'll will want to be seen by people. And that's because the, the, they're afraid that people will call them out. They'll be uh, basically called out for not holding themselves to a high enough standard. So um, I forget your original question, I guess, as far as what, what is influence or what's the definition of leadership. To me, leadership is influencing people in a certain direction, one way or the other, whether it's right, wrong, good or bad, building or destroying, that's the decision that we all have to make. Love that,
0: love that, all right. <clears throat> so let's dive into to your leadership journey or unconventional leadership journey, I should say. We'll, we'll start way back. I know you're, you're in Ocean City, Maryland now, that's where uh, you and your family live. Where are you from originally?
1: I grew up outside of Philly uh, till I was about 11. And then I moved to Northeastern Maryland and state of Maryland and Delaware area ever since. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, from a young age, by the way, George, I, you know, my mom for some reason, I don't know why, uh, she always said something about influence and inspiration and leadership to me at a young age. Like you're going to be in leader. You, you inspire me so much. Like she would say these things and she was really building me up. I don't know if she was doing it consciously or subconsciously, but she yeah. was doing it and it imprinted into me that I was supposed to do things to lead people. And, and you know what, I've always just been a helper trying to help people not accepting their current condition where they are trying to improve their conditions and, you know, not always when they wanted it. So some people would start, you know, resent that. If you notice some people that, you know, when they're not, they don't think helps a good thing or they don't want to be helped, they don't ask for it. They'll resent you when you try to help them. But this included family. You know, I came from a lot of brokenness, you know, a lot of mental issues alcohol drug you know just suicide a lot of issues in my life and and i've always i've had a lot of practice helping people let's put it that way (laughs) yeah so so
0: it's interesting that you get into that and and i love that piece about your mom um whether she's consciously or subconsciously was was sort of trying to lift you this whole time um i want to talk a little bit about your backstory so you mentioned you came from a broken home you were doing the the every other weekend thing with your parents. and and I've I've read before that you from the ages of eight to twelve, your dad was really like trying to sell you on living with him, right? Uh, trying to be the 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 parent that you lived with, and and I think you did for a while. Um, I want to talk about your your dad for for a minute, if that's okay. Um, you you had mentioned yeah. that your dad's uh, he was in the masonry business. He was a good businessman. Um, must have run a good successful business. You you've mentioned in other interviews that he always had a wad of hundreds in his pocket, um, <laughs> yeah. and he was your hero for a while. And then you had a, a, a moment when you were 11 where you just weren't feeling it. Um, you wanted to live with your mom. Um, and when that happened, uh, you had a situation where your dad, when, when, when everything was all said and done, threw a $100 bill at you and told you that you'd need it when you and your mom would be living on the streets as he walked out the door. Um, talk to me about, you know, up until that moment in your life, like how did that, sort of rock your world and change your perspective?
1: Well, prior to that, I was going through, I I decided at eight years old to move in with my dad because my mom was getting ready to go into her third husband. Um, By the way, who ended up being my mentor and a father figure to me from 11 on, his name was George. We'll get to that in a second. But for three years, I decided to move in with my dad. He was married, going on to his second wife, which was the one right after my mom. And I thought that that would be a better situation, an eight-year-old trying to decide this kind of thing. Then, then going into a house of, of, of a new man that I didn't, had no idea who it was, and that being the third person, third man that I would have to basically learn the rules of the house, so to speak, right? So yeah. I go I go to living with my dad, and for it started off good, but for three years after it started off good, went downhill quick with a lot of uh, mental and psychological abuse threats. A lot of things were taken out on me. When When parents split, a lot of times the kids are the only link that the parents have to even communicate anymore. And, you know, my stepmother was not the, um, she was kind of jealous of my mom. Maybe I I don't want to speak for her, but there was conflict and it was taken out on me while I was there. And, you know, I had to hear about it. I had to hear about how my mom was this, how my mom was that, you know, so I was even threatened before I slept with a baseball bat as an eight to nine year old kid, because I was, I was afraid of what would happen. And I was, you know, I was the type that was going to try to protect myself. So. During that three years, um, I didn't I, I thought it was ordinary. Like I didn't know it was, I just thought this is what's goes on in, in, in family. So it came to a point where I was really anxious coming home from my mom's one weekend, and I was about 10, 10 years old. And she says, What's the matter? So every time I take you back there, you, you get upset, your stomach's messed up, you know. And I was going over these hilly roads in southeastern Pennsylvania. And she said, You know, it's not that's not normal. And I, and I finally broke down and told her because when you're in an abusive situation, a lot of times you don't want to share that because you're you're embarrassed, maybe there's some kind of weird embarrassment that comes along with it. There's uh, you know, you're not sure if people will believe you, or you don't know what the person that, that's doing it would do when they when it gets found out. So you're yeah. just kind of all these things going through your head. And believe it or not, you start to think, and I don't think I've ever said this before, but I think there's some kind of, you know, you feel some kind of uh concern for the abuser of what's gonna happen to them. If, if it's, if it's aired out. Right. So anyway, I told my mom, she said, you know what? That's not normal. You don't need to live like that. I'm going to file court papers for you. But if I do this, you cannot be flipping flopping back and forth. You got to stick to your guns. You got to be committed because it's not something I can just go back and forth on. And I said, okay. And I took that meaning that you need to be stubborn. Like you got to stick to your guns, stubborn, like perversely unyielding. If you look up the definition of stubborn in, in Merriam-Webster dictionary. Um, I like that definition. Uh, but, but the thing is, is that when those papers finally got delivered to my dad, I was coming home from school every day, waiting for him. And I, I didn't tell him obviously. So I'm waiting for this time bomb to go off. And finally I came home and I knew something was, I walked in the tent, the, the, uh, the, uh, tension in the room was just like thick, man. Yeah. And he had these papers and he said, Hey, go back to your room. I said, Okay. And I sat on my bed for about five, 10 minutes. It felt like five hours <laughs> and waiting for my hero to come back. And, you know, yeah, my dad was my hero. He had big forearms and rough hands. If you shake his hand, you could feel that he was working his ass off and had that wide $100 bills with the rubber band around it. And, you know, always in his pocket. He would always flash that around, which I thought was cool. But at the end of the day, when I confirmed that I wanted to move, he reminded me my mom didn't have it that well. He told me how poor she was. She was onto her third husband. You really want to live there when you have everything you need here. And I just confirmed that I didn't uh, get into a discussion with him. And that's when he pulled out that wad, crumpled one up, threw it at me and said I was going to need it when I was living on the streets with my mother one day. Now, what that happened right at that moment, I remember this clear as day. So with that moment, first of all, I'm like, holy cow, I can't believe this. Is this really happening? But then I remembered there's got to be other people. This is an ordinary situation. There's got to be other people going through this. And my mom told me, you're a leader. You're a, I'm going to be able to show people that you can get through something like this and be great. And then people are going to say, well, he went through that. I'm going, I can do that. So this went through my head and I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I think it goes back to being a leader and role model and just having an effect on people, being the cause and having an effect on people by going out and doing it, being great, people watching it, people being inspired by it. Then they take action and then they can do it as well. And that's where I started. And that spark that was lit there has driven me and fueled me for 30 some years. Tell me about. Tell me a little bit about that spark. I loved. I love that you use the
0: word spark. We use this term on the show called spark moments, right? Spark moments being just a moment in life where something happens and you are led down a path, good, bad, or indifferent. This is a path that you have chosen in life, and it doesn't have to be a permanent path, but it's something that was pivotal enough to lead you down that path. So, this being a spark moment for you, um, I've heard you say before that that's when you decided that you were going to be better than him. Talk to me about what that means better than him, whether it was better father, better husband, um, and and what the plan was in that very moment.
1: Yeah, I mean, flat out, I just knew, like, when you challenged me, and I I guess this comes from the stubbornness into me, but when I'm challenged, I'm going to prove you wrong. Like, that's, I know a lot of people that are successful have that attitude. I just, I'm just like, listen, you don't know what's got, like, what's in me, man. Like, I'll I'll show you kind of thing. And so, yeah, I mean, better, I witnessed what not to do. I witnessed how to not do certain things as a father. I witnessed how to not to be the, 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 a husband that argues all the time. I mean, I just, there's a lot, I don't want to, I'm not bashing my dad by any means at that moment, I was just challenged and I'm like, I'll show you, man. And, And I just directed all my attention to those areas as a, as a man, as a kid, but then going into a man is what could I do to be the best husband, father, employer success in finances, all those areas. I just st- started thinking, man, I got to strive to be the best because he's always watching me and he's going to see that, that he's right. If I, if I falter and I just didn't want to, I didn't want to ever have that situation be the case. So I was intentional about serving the other, the o- other side of that, which yeah. was success. Yeah. Um,
0: you have this great quote on your site. Uh, it says, my story isn't unique challenges, trials and setbacks are part of our human experiences these challenges, personal and professional, affect our work and our ability to succeed. So you, you've gone, from, and we're going to get into all this stuff. But you've gone from that moment in your life to owning successful businesses, and and you're a family guy, and and you're a thought leader now with the podcast, and and you're an author, and you speak, and all this stuff. Um, this story, which you've probably told at this point a thousand times, right? And I, I want to get your perspective on this. Um, you know, I was on your show and I told my story, which I've told a thousand times, vice versa here. You get on stages, I get on stages. We do the same thing. There's something about the story that sparked your success, that that changed your life, that just doesn't get old, right? What does that feel like? You know, when you're going on stages, you're telling the story in interviews, and wherever, whatever that stage is, what does it feel like? To be able to recant this, to retell this same story over and over again, and just have it feel fresh every single time. Like, what is what is this secret to that for for those out there that are you know aspiring thought leaders and, and leaders in general?
1: I think you know it does get it, it can get boring if you let it, but I think the purpose that I have, see, I have a purpose which is all people are unstoppable to live in the life of their dreams, all people. So then I filter everything through that purpose. You know, every, all that. So, so when I'm telling the story, I'm telling it to reach people and I'm assuming that nobody's ever heard anything I've ever said. So the part of me to get promotion and marketing and all that is nobody's ever heard anything I said, I got to keep getting the message out because if I just have rely on the 300 interviews that I did last year, let's just say nobody saw them or one person saw them. It's only 300 people out of how many billions of people on this planet. So that's why it keeps refreshing me because I owe it to people to get this message out. I'm a leader. I'm an inspirer. I got to get it out to them. And so that's what that's what does it for me. And then I have other stories that I'll use to to hit the message as well, but that's that's the main one that I want people to know because that's the foundation.
0: Yeah. You know, it's it, it's interesting and this is just diving into like the meta of of what it takes to be a public speaker and a thought leader, but I always look at like stand-up comics, right? And they use their their life experiences to tell these stories on on stage in the form of jokes and and um, little bits that that turn into like three minutes of little jokes that tell one big story. And the funny part is about serious comics, you know, uh, uh, successful comics, is that they tour the club circuit and they do it, they do it, they do it to hone their craft and get better. But then when they hit that big stage, that big special, they get their Netflix special, their HBO special, and they do it in front of the world, that's it. For their story and they have to now tell a brand new one because it's old for them. And I always thought it was such an interesting dichotomy with public speakers about how we can tell this story. We can evolve that story and use that same message that came from that story Maybe tell it in a different way, or even if we're telling it in the same way, right, we're di- we're reaching different people. So it takes somebody special, I want to say, you know, to be able to do that. And I've seen some of your stuff, man, and and obviously the podcast, and um, you're killing it, and and you're a really inspirational guy in a non-bullshit kind of way. You know, we, we both know there are the people out there that just do this to do it and make money. Um, and I love that you're, you're a real dude, you know, you're out there doing it to, to lift people and to change people's lives. So I I commend you on, on everything you do, man. Totally.
1: Yeah. Thank thank you. And, uh, my real money doesn't come from this. My real money comes from the other businesses that I have. Um, I'm just trying to, you know, when you have a purpose and you're committed to something, you'll do whatever it takes ethically to get the, Get to get the job done. I mean, and that's what that's what comes, for, you know, for me. Now, speaking of comedy and comedians and act, all that they they go in there, they have to come up with new content. I'm always striving to come up with new content, man, like constantly. And I share this story most of the time on stages that have that I know the host hasn't really heard b- before or their audience probably hasn't, but sometimes people need to hear it multiple times. Um, but I have content that I have to constantly work on because I'm, I'm in front of my team in the mortgage division. I have a large division, um, and developing the other companies that we have, I'm in front of them, you know, pretty much every day. So I have to think of something new stuff. So I, I I can feel, you know, relate to that as well.
0: Yeah. And I want to get to the, the, the mortgage industry in a minute. Uh, talk to me about the subsequent years. So, so we know what happened at 11 years old, um, What did the next few years look like going into, you know, finishing high school and college and all that stuff and sort of getting into the real world?
1: Yeah. So when I turned, when I, when I turned 11 and moved into my mom's, I started playing football, junior league football, I guess it's called. And my stepfather, George was the one that, that my mom married the third marriage. And George, George was a tough guy, man. Like he never laid a hand on us, but when he wanted something done and you didn't do it, he would let you know about it. He had this real deep voice. He was real passionate. Right was right. Wrong was wrong. Now, if you ever saw him for the first time though, and you're at a party, you wouldn't even know that he was like that until you get him talking about baseball, fishing, hunting, something he was passionate about. He would literally jump off the couch, deep voice, and just go nuts about it. Like, and people were a lot of times taken away by his passion and energy. And so the basically at, at, at 11 years old, when I'm starting to become a man, turning into you know puberty, going through those stages, a very, you know, influential time of my life. He was there and was the father that, that I needed. He always showed up to the ball games, showed me right from now. He wasn't good with money, uh, as far as making money. So he wasn't a mentor in that area. He could probably get by with very little money every, <laughs> every month. Yeah. Uh, he was good at that part, but all the other parts about showing up, being respectful of women and, and other people and ethics, he was just a great dude, man. And, and I'm, I'm glad I had him because who knows where I would have went at that point if I didn't have him in my life. So from 11 till about you know 18 when I went off to college, man, he was he was right there for me as I was trying to develop my football career. I went to play played football in college. George passed away, uh, I guess, 2019, January 2019, suddenly of a heart attack coming out of the woods after hunting. And, um, man, we weren't ready for that. And I wrote about this in the book about like, I felt like a torch had to be passed at that moment. And I was, I was going to have to take up the reins at some point as a mentor, uh, for the family. And then also I didn't feel like I, I was done being mentored. So then I went on a search for, for, for a new mentor. And that's where I found Grant Cardone, um, and, and a couple other guys that are associated with him that picked up where George left off and then started talking about money and finances and wealth. And that changed everything, man. Yeah, yeah, amazing.
0: Um, well, you didn't have that mentorship uh, uh, in terms of the the business side of things, but you still did it, man. Uh, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken here, 2005 is when you started a mortgage company with your four friends, is that correct?
1: Yeah, well, 2005 is when I got in the mortgage business as a oh. loan officer. And from there, under a company, it was a small company, we built a division. And we went from just the two of us to forty employees, seven branches. Um, no mentorship whatsoever. It was all hustle, grind, sales. We had no systems and processes to speak of that that were intentionally put there. Let's put it that way. They were there because it was just like this is what's got all reactionary, yeah. all reactionary. And so, but we still made it because you can make it with hustle. The problem with that is you have a weak foundation. You build a real top-heavy organization. The bottom's not there, the foundation, and then it crumbles very easily. And that's what it did. It, it actually crumbled um, culturally. The owner of the company did some things with money that he shouldn't have as far as our money, and we had to find a new place. So 2018 comes along, early late 17, early early 18, and we had to find a new platform to get on, and we did. And we moved 22 employees at that time to the new company. I broke down in the kitchen in front of my wife for the first time ever going through that. It was very stressful. Lost 20 pounds in like a month, just wasn't eaten. I just, it was a dark time. And the, 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 the stem of that really, or the, you call it the root, the stem was lack of confidence, lack of confidence. The fact that everything I just did, I didn't document, I didn't have a, a systems and process for it. And it was all just hustle and work. And I was thinking to myself, I got to do this again. And I'm not sure if I can do it again. If it was, maybe it was just luck. Cause we built it to about 10, 10, 11 million in revenue. Yeah. And we were making great money, but, uh, man, it was just like all the people, the employees that worked for us, their, their, their income was on the line. Like they were looking at me like now what? And it was a very, very tough time. And I vowed never to do that again. Like after I broke down, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. This is something's got to change. So from that point forward, we started with culture. We started with culture. And then we started with systems and processes and making sure that we put the systems and process and we document, we know exactly how we did it because I didn't want to ever go through that again. And now I'm not held prisoner to anyone or several employees that don't want to buy into the culture or the way we need to do things to be successful because I'll just go find other ones and put, plug them into our system. Right. And once I knew that and I had that confidence, I told the team like, guys, we got to do this this way. If you're not on board with it and it doesn't align with your personal values, fine. No problem. You just have to work somewhere else and I will find somebody. And to the point where I'll start by myself if I have to, and add one person at a time. Once I made that determination in my mind and I was committed to that, the rest is history. I, I wasn't concerned whatsoever. If somebody wasn't getting in alignment with what we need to do, They just, we had a meeting, asked them if they're going to get in alignment. They didn't. They we, we sent them back into another position or another uh, another uh, career or, or job placement and with, with another company. And then we move on, and every time we do that, by the way, George, we have a bump. Yeah. So th- this is some things that went through my head with with business, and I didn't really know what the hell I was doing. I was just I just knew how to hustle, and sell, and close, <laughs> and, yeah. and that made us money for a while.
0: Yeah. So so what I love about that is let's look at the leadership of this uh, for a minute. So um, when you had to do this pivot right now, and you had that that break for a minute in front of your wife. Um, you know, it's it's just a sign that you give a shit, right? Which is which is a big deal because it's not just about you guys. It's about those twenty-two employees. It's about you know uh, your your legacy, your career, your all this all this stuff that you've put in years into building. Um, and you care. And so you don't want to let yourself down. You don't want to let your family down and, and those people that you're employing. And and it comes to a point where you decide, I need to grow from where I was. So what I love most is that I saw this line on your website somewhere uh, that said that you now try to develop people. That's the main focus. Yet at the same time, you pinpointed that culture was the biggest problem the first time around. And so that's, a, that's huge growth. Right there. So I want to hear for a minute about that, and tell me a little bit about um, Grant Cardone and and what role you know his mentorship played in in this new business.
1: So uh, about seven, thousand seventeen, I started waking up in the morning thinking to myself like this is we're not really in the mortgage business like this that's just our vehicle we're really in the people building business. And I started thinking that I'm building people every day. I'm helping people with solving problems, helping develop people. I said I got to move more into this and lead into this. And so we just started thinking about, okay, let's build our company. Let's scale our company by building people, bringing people in. We don't need the best quality uh, producers out on the street. By the way, top producers aren't going to come to your company. They're not going to just leave where they are having this massive success or whatever they're doing. You're going to get people that aren't top producers that need some assistance, that need some help. They may be looking for culture or support. They're going to come in and then you develop them into great people. And then because you do that, they won't want to leave because- you create people that can get a job anywhere, but don't want to leave because they like it so much and you and and it's just a, the greatest place to, to be when they come to work. So that's the uh, that's the idea. Now, um, basically in 2018, no, 19, 2019, my team and I decided to, uh, my brother was reading the 10X rule. That's how it happened. And he said, you know what, man, you got to read this book. This guy sounds just like you. And I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll take a look. I've read books and stuff. So I was like, let me, let me put this on the list. So I started right away and I started reading it. And I'm like, holy shit, this guy, this guy sounds just like me does. He's like, he speak- I felt like he's speaking to me. Yeah. And it was just like what I just went through. But he dealt with it in 2008 during the collapse. During, during 2008 when he had the collapse, he was too small, playing too small, getting comfortable. And then that happened. I felt the same way. I just went through this. Like this is describing exactly what happened. So let me listen to this guy. Let me see what he learned. Let me see what he did to get out of it. And not only that, George, I thought to myself, well, let me do this. Let me figure out a way to do things faster than he did his recovery, faster and smarter, less money, less time, and, and see how far I can go. And maybe I can you know, do a little better. And so that's what went through my head. And I started attacking that. And I started immersing myself in this content. I met some great people. The community is great, but then there's two other individuals or three other individuals Uh, A guy named Brandon Dawson, who's a scaling business scaling expert, Jared Glant, who's the president of that uh, Cardone, and a guy named Richie Dolan, who was there with the licensing for a little while, Mm -hmm. who all three of those guys and Grant have just been phenomenal as far as mentorship, guiding, and, and showing what it takes to be successful. And they're just great leaders.
0: This episode is sponsored by the new cohort of the Leadership Experience unconventional leadership brought to you by yours truly the launch dad himself George Andriopoulos our new cohort is starting soon and not only do we still have the same four courses that's right the public thought leadership track the career leader track the entrepreneurship track and of course the podcast experience we have our first graduate level up level inimitable the newest one on one leadership class. This is for not only if you have taken the leadership experience core class before and are ready to graduate to the newest level, but for those that have experienced leadership and want to take it to a new level, Inimitable is for you. I'm not even going to talk about it in this commercial. You're going to have to contact me. Check out theleadershipexp.com for details and to sign up for information. Inimitable is coming at you. DM me for more info. Later, guys.
1: So, so what I found out, a lot of the information I was learning, some of it was new, but other information I was learning, I'd already implemented. And that's the reason I was having success before. So what happened was I was able to identify why I was successful in some areas, why I was having struggles in some areas and making mistakes in some areas. And once you're aware of those things, then you can throw, as I say, rocket fuel on things and blow it up. And so having success in an area before doesn't mean that you can't have way more success after you are, you know, really aware of why you're having success. And I think that's crucial, the awareness that you get in future, future, uh, building and scaling. So, yeah,
0: yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, I want to sidebar from this before we start winding down and moving on to the big three. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about, um, the personal leadership, right? So, so I know as a, as a husband, as a father of three, how much, um, that end of my personal life has helped to build me up as a leader, more so, to be honest with you, than the professional part uh, of my life. So I know you're married, married for a long time. You have two kids. Uh, talk to me about being a husband, being a dad, what that means to you in terms of leadership, what what you're able to teach your family, and what they've been able to teach you.
1: Yeah, I mean, what, what having a family does for me and being married is that as soon as I wake up in the morning, immediately I'm a role model. You know, immediately I have to pay attention to what I'm doing, what I'm saying, how I'm acting. And so that right there is a, is a form of accountability that to me, I take very seriously and I, I make sure that I hold myself to certain standards to make sure taking care of my body, uh, praying and gratitude, cleaning up after myself, which most people don't do. Let's face it. Most people leave shit laying around their house, leaves, leave a trail behind them. Adults included making it harder on their spouse and their kids and, and all that. So I make sure these areas, like what can I do to make my wife's job easier? Just being married to me, right? Not that she cleans up after me, but I'm saying just what can I do to make her life easier? So I look at that. And then the, for the kids, you know, I, I, I realize that everything I do, they're going to mimic. They're going to mimic me, my wife, how we communicate. So I pay attention. I'm very highly aware of what's going on there. Now, what they teach me, they, they basically, to me, one, they remind me of these things. They remind me that they're watching because then I see, I see myself in them. You know, when I slip up and if I uh, react to something and I, if, I'm, if I come home from work, I have short patience and then I see them to react and have short patience. I don't really get upset with them because it's all me. <laughs> that's that's my fault. I showed them how to do that. And so I pay attention to those kind of things. And that's, you know, that's the main thing for me is just being, being as as much as I can, the best possible image for them to mimic and including my wife as well, because I think that when I have issues with my wife communication or if something's getting on my nerves, generally it's my fault. Like I look at them internally and say, what am I doing to cause this? You know, and I find generally a lot of times it's something I need to fix or yeah. give up or change.
0: Yeah. And that's honestly, it's a, a, a really enlightened way of, of, Looking at being a, a a spouse, a significant other, even even a dad, um, looking. Inwardly, and it's funny because you talk about your leadership at the office and what you do professionally, and it's sort of that same process, right, which is something over the last few episodes listening to some of these leaders uh, telling me about where they came from, where they are now, their families and all that stuff. You sort of realize that people, when they get to a point of success where they kind of get it, you know, that it, it's like that Star Wars moment that, like, Luke learns the force and just like gets it right. Like it's just like snap of a finger and you totally understand it. And all of a sudden you start leading in the same way because, you know, it's not rocket science. It it works. So if it works, let mm-hmm. me do this at home too, to make it work. Let me lead uh, the same way that I'm leading at the office, which is, which is successful. So I love hearing that. Um, when you look at your situation as, as a kid and, and the issues that you had um growing up, and then you look at yourself now, uh, raising two kids, do you feel that your leadership is reactive in in a way that you're like, well, I don't want to make those mistakes or is it more like you're just sort of living it you're in that moment like hey, this is what I've experienced this is sort of in the back of my head like i I know what I should be doing and shouldn't be doing and just enjoying the moment of of being a dad?
1: I don't think there's any consistency there I think it changes you know it changes on what's going on um It changes as I grow. You know, I'll tell you, like, this last few months has been tough for me because of the weather. And I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or what it is, but I I noticed a huge – I live in Ocean City, Maryland, man. The wintertime, it sucks here. It's cloudy, gloomy, windy, cold, rainy. Like, it's just – and I have windows right here, and I can see it. And it's dark when you wake up in the morning, and it gets dark. and I mean, it just – to me, and I'm not complaining by any means, but like – I think psychologically there's a thing really, I think it's real, uh, seasonal depression. So, but me, like I'm I'm hardcore though. I push through it. I understand that I what I need to do to accomplish greatness, and I just know that I keep saying to myself in my head, do it anyway. If I don't feel like going to the gym, do it anyway. I don't feel like lining up podcasts, like do it anyway. I just know that what I gotta do to be successful, but I, I'm not in the best mode. I don't think my life force is as full as it should be in those moments because I just feel I just can feel it, you know. Yeah. So I, 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 really think it, it's like kind of a roller coaster and you just kind of want to keep the lows as not as low as they could be. And the highs, you know, it's really as high as they can be and just roll with it and, and work with it and try to do the best you can with it. I love that, man.
0: Honest answer. And, and by the way, that's totally a thing. I I've been going through that again. I don't know. I don't know how old you are exactly. I'm 41. Um, The last couple of years, man, this never bothered me before. But seasonal affective disorder, whatever they call it, it's a thing, dude. This is like an inside joke with my wife and I. On cloudy days, she think you ever hear like Superman when he's close to the sun, that's when he gets stronger. She always makes that joke with me, like when I'm when it's cloudy, I'm like,
1: (laughs) I'm useless. You know, same same, same thing, man.
0: I'm intentional
1: though. This year, like I've gone through two years, two to three years of this. This year, we were this close to to especially with covid going on and the kids were you know having school remotely this close to going to florida for for two months we just didn't pull the trigger yeah this year right now I'm already planning I'm I'm intentional I already had a conversation with my wife I'm making it happen this year like yeah. we're going to we're not going to do this again and I, I you know I sound like such a little bitch because <laughs> because you know there's people that don't have a house you know and I get that but you know what I have a choice and I have power to do it and I have a to deci- sit you know the ability to do it and I'm going to do it i mean so I'm not going to apologize for my ability and 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 opportunity that I've created for myself to be able to do these things. Absolutely, but you know,
0: absolutely. Um, all right,
1: so we're almost we're almost winding down here. Uh, you've said this
0: before that you became at a certain point when you when you achieved the success and you sort of moved on to the next level of thought leadership and trying to share that success with others. You became obsessed with getting known globally. And man, you've been killing it. You know, I do a lot of research when I do these interviews, man. And I just, I watched every interview you've done, not all of your podcasts, but people that interviewed you, um, checked out all the marketing collateral you have online. You're out there, dude, you're, you're killing it. Uh, so I want to touch on first your podcast. What are you made of? So I was a guest on this show. It actually hasn't gone on yet. Uh, I'm sure it's coming in the next few weeks. Um, great show, man. So talk to me about why you started that podcast, what the goal was.
1: You know, I was really I uh, met Grant and I went to the 10x Growth Conference and I I saw a guy that was speaking on stage named Pete Vargas. He was sharing his story. I I thought, man, this is great. He's connecting with me. I felt like everybody else in the room disappeared, and it was just me and Pete. And he was sitting there talking to me, and I, I realized to myself, wait a minute, Pete can do this. I can do it because this was this was Pete's first time in a big big group or big thirty four thousand people that that big. And I knew he was nervous. He admitted to himself he was sweating. He, he just looks scared. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, if Pete can do it, I know I can do it. So I decided to work with Pete um, on my my story. And, and then I said, well, how am I going to get this out? So I did a podcast interview with someone. I was on their show and I'm like, this is what a podcast is. This is easy. I can do this. So I decided to do that. And I figured that that would be the best way for me to get practice one, to get my story out to interview other successful people and be able to basically... I, I get coaching from people for free by bringing them on my show. I can ask them anything I want. I write them down. I keep notes. I record it. So to me, it was that. And also repurposing. I could take little 30-second, 60-second clips and then just blow the internet up yeah. with with my content. And that's what it allowed me to do. The last thing, though, I looked at was the more I could do it, which I did 300, 300 interviews in the last 12 months with my show and, and others, I just leaned into it to get better at it. And then I can know that if I get on TV, which I'm going to be on TV now, um, that I prepared myself and that now, now I put all the work. Nobody has to see everything that I did because the journey to success a lot of times is invisible and people will see it and say, wow, he's, he's good. He's a natural because I put all that work in and that's the things that were going through my head why I had to do it. Even when I didn't feel like it some days.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that, man. And and you said it before, we are in a time right now where we have this ability we have this technology where, you know, I have an office in my studio that that's uh, you know, a full podcast office four-person setup. Uh, right now I'm in the remote studio <laughs> in my basement yeah. at home, but like we have this technology to be able to do this. And so when we when we utilize these tools to make ourselves better, people ask me all the time, man, I'm a three-time TEDx speaker. I keynote all over the country. I executive produce my own TEDx. Um the first thing they ask me is how did you get so comfortable in your voice? You sound like yourself when you get on stage. I don't speak, I'm not that guy that travels around every single day. Like like you, I have businesses. Those are my main sources of revenue, right? The speaking thing, I do it because I enjoy it very much. It helps get me out there a little bit more. But man, I'll I'll go on like two tours a year for a week or two, and then I speak here in the in the Manhattan area. Uh, here and there, I'm not speaking more than like 20, 25 times a year, but this, you know, this is an hour or two that I do on every single interview. And this is practice, 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 practice. Like people don't realize, utilize this kind of stuff. It's at your fingertips. It's easy. You know, get out there.
1: I, I, uh, to get through this winter, (laughs) I think I did three interviews a day throughout the week, not on weekends. I did a couple on the weekend here, there, but Mainly Monday through Friday, I was doing about three interviews a day. That's how like the effort and and action that I put into it, because I wanted to make sure that especially, man, I love golfing. when the weather starts getting better, I want to take Fridays to go golfing. And I want to just, I wanted to get, and that's why your episodes in line, but I do, I pack them in the can and then they release them. And when they come out, they come out. If somebody needs something released earlier, we, we honor that and help them out with that. But most of the time, man, I'm just trying to get the work done. Put it in a can and let it go and when it comes out. And then they have plenty of content to put out on social as well. Love it.
0: Love it. Uh, the book Rocket Fuel. Talk to us about this book. I just ordered this by the way, uh, yesterday. So I can't wait to jump into this. I, I was trying
1: to get it on an ebook, but I couldn't.
0: I was on Kindle yeah. and my iPad and couldn't find it. So I just ordered it. Yeah, the actual so book.
1: I this is my first time um <laughs> putting a book out and it's done. My book's done. They just finished the back cover and it should be being uploaded today or tomorrow to uh, what they call Ingram Sparks so that they can go on Amazon and all that. Uh-huh. The e-version will be up there as well once that's done, and then I'm going to have to do an audio, I guess, at some point because a lot of people like to listen to books. So I'll probably do that and knock that out at some point this year. Uh, so any any moment that's coming out, by the way, so I appreciate the patience for those who have ordered the book so far. Uh, I've never been through this this process before, and it's hard to have a date set. When you, you don't know what the, I don't know what steps go into it until, I, until we were doing it. So, yeah. um, but yeah, the book, I, I wrote the book because I bottled this, this, this law called rock, the rocket fuel law. And basically it's to take anything that would normally stop you or slow you down, discouragement, setbacks, letdowns, disappointments, screw ups of your own, um, uh, negative people, any of that stuff store it in your tank where you can convert it to rocket fuel for your future. And not in your trunk where it weighs you down. And if you do that, you can never be stopped. Until you're plucked from this planet, you can accomplish whatever you want, whatever you set your mind to, because anything that comes your way that's going to stop you, you just convert to rocket fuel. Now, there are going to be times where you're trying to accomplish something you don't know something. Obviously, you got to learn learn it and take the time to learn it. But uh, as far as anything else, the, the outside factors that screw you up, your mind, any of that stuff, if you turn it into fuel, not only do you get back to where you were before a setback, but you blast way through it. That's the key concept with it. And that leads me into what I've designed with this, this new company we're launching called blueprinted. Yeah, A lot of times people can't get successful because they don't know what to do. They don't know how to do it. And then there's digital courses out there, digital video courses. Now under 20% of those courses ever get completed when people buy them. That's a problem to me. Then the people that complete them, when they're done the course, they think, what next? What do I do first? Right? There's about 10 reasons why digital courses don't work distractions and losing focus. So, basically, I'm telling you, digital video courses suck overall. If you were looking at numbers and KPIs and measuring data, they're not successful. They make people a lot of money, not everybody, but a lot of people money. But are they successful? And so, you have retention of the information is a problem. Boring, lose interest. Um, like I said, what next or what now? Um, doesn't let you do. They only show you how to do things sometimes. No social interaction, human human contact as far as live. Focus more on theory. Um, and then the other, just, just to round this off, it requires the client to come up with the step-by-step process or blueprint. So I'm thinking to myself, this is a problem, major problem. I talked to several people, tested the market. I found that if people know step one, two, three, all the way to the final step, algorithmically in a blueprint, they will be successful if they just add action. So how do we do that? Well, we take people that have been successful that can reverse engineer their success, have them uploaded into our, or use our system, which is a project management system as well, and put step-by-step process algorithmic, how to accomplish whatever they, they want to put in there. People will buy that as it can be a marketplace. They'll buy that blueprint and then they'll follow those steps and they can be successful. We'll also add in there accountability measures, little text message nudges. We can also upload it to people's calendars so they know exactly what to do on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all the way through. And the thing about this is that entrepreneurs like me and you, I'm sure you're the same way. Some days we want to accomplish something so bad we put 12, 14 hours in because we think we have to, or we're going to be missing out or we're going to fall behind. Yeah. Well, if you have a blueprint and it tells you step one, you do X, Y, Z, and then you're done for the day. Do not move on to step two that day. Wait till the then you feel confident. Okay. I knocked out these steps. Tuesday comes, I'll knock out, I'll start again, but now I can spend time with my family. I can go to the gym. I can take care of whatever I need to take care of because I know I'm on track. Most entrepreneurs, they don't know if they're on track. They don't even know if they're doing the right thing half the time and they never know when they're done. So this is going to solve that. It's called blueprinted, B-L-O-O printed, and it's going to be launching hopefully in the next 60 days. It is going to disrupt this industry. And I'm so fired up about it. I'm going to get some big names involved with it. We're already talking to some names that would just blow you away. And, uh, I can't wait to get people involved with it because it's going to create a lot more success and basically just by adding action.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Can't wait to check it out. Uh, guys, MikeCrock.com slash book to order that book. Uh, we're going to have all the links in the show notes. Mike, if there's anything you want to share um, uh, notes-wise or, or links-wise, whatever, for Blueprinted, send that over to me. We'll put everything in the notes, and we'll share it later on when it, when it actually comes out as well. Um, we're going to move on right now. The Big Three. The Big Three from the launch cast. Guys, the big three, you know what it is. We're going to throw out some stuff at Mike. Mike, you're going to give me top three for each one. Quick, concise answers. Ready, bud? Yep, let's roll. All right. Three promises you made when your dad left that day.
1: Uh, Three promises. Okay. One was uh I would not let him win or be right. I was going to help others succeed and be great by showing them that you can go through something like this no matter what. And I would think the other one I would say is that I was going to take that and anything else that came my way that stopped me and use it as fuel. Um, I got a story to tell you behind that, but I'll do that offline. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: Three favorite things that success has brought you.
1: Uh, The, I would say the hunger for more. The confidence that you can apply and, and use that for not just yourself, for others. And... So many other things, man. Uh, I would say the the, the other thing is the life I want, the ideal life that I want to live.
0: Yeah. Three words that are important to you surrounding the concept of culture
1: at work. Hmm. Alignment, accountability, and man, there's just so many, but I'm trying to pick the best one. Alignment, accountability, and I would say... This is two words, but low tolerance. There
0: you go. There you go. Three. Now this is going to be a tough one. <laughs> three favorite moments with your family that you can think of. Three. No, no, I don't want to say favorite. Three moments that three good moments that come to mind with your family that you can think of.
1: Now uh, we we take uh, trips and uh, we went to uh, Mexico twice. They were fantastic trips, both times. The kids just were blown away by it. And we we don't just stay at some crap, crappy place. We go we go to really nice places. So yeah. if we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it right. And then I would say the other one would be Jamaica when we went to Jamaica. And that was their first time out of the country and just had a phenomenal time with the Jamaican people. Love it.
0: Love it. Last one. Three pieces of advice for
1: entrepreneurs. Get this is easy. Get really clear on what you want with no limitations. Clear, ideal life, perfect thing. Number one. Number two is commit. Commit to it. And number three is consistency. You got to do it no matter what. Like, you know, it's already going to happen and you got to go through some of the bullshit. You got to go through some of the great things and and keep going. You got to go through some of the bad things and pick yourself up, but be consistent. Love it. Love it.
0: Mike, thank you, brother, for being here. I appreciate you very much. Hang out two minutes just in the green room while I wrap it up uh, and we'll chat for a sec. Um, Guys. Check out all of Mike's stuff in the in the show notes. We're going to have all his links and everything. And I'm so excited to check out that book uh, when it's <laughs> excuse me. When it's finally out there. Um, appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you, George. Appreciate you, man. You
0: got it, man. Another killer interview from the launchcast, episode 213, made of rocket fuel. This dude is the real, real deal. You got to check out all his stuff on the show notes. Um, check out the Over My Dad podcast. It is hysterical uh, to do or dads. I told you about it. Links are in the show notes for that, too. And check us out every Monday morning, 6 a.m. We release on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, iHeart, Pandora, all the usual places. You know the deal, guys. See you next time. the Thanks for listening to the LaunchCast today. Please make sure to subscribe to this feed wherever podcasts are available follow me George Andriopoulos at Launchpad CEO on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram and make sure to visit our website guys the looking forward to the next episode see you soon guys